Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Garrett Wilson. Wow! What a catch! Touchdown, Jets! That kid's amazing. Gibson on the return. Near side. I don't see any flags. Gibson inside the 30. Hits the Jets. And he's going to go! Jets win it! Touchdown, rookie Xavier Gibson. Game over. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinn Williams. What a beast. Number 95 for the Jets. Listen. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it is time for part one of the mailbag on this holiday weekend. So to answer your questions with me, my friend who covers the Jets for JetNation.com, site where he is the editor, Mr. Glenn Naughton. Glenn, what's up, brother? Not a whole lot. You know, just getting ready to ramp up for draft coverage, leaving for the Senior Bowl in a couple of weeks. Looking forward to that. And uh, and and laughing hysterically at Jets players um, using social media to mock their own coaches. <laughs> For anybody that doesn't understand what Glenn's talking about, it's Keith Carter, <laughs> Makai Becton, and Brees Hall laughing at Keith Carter on Twitter, and yet somehow nobody's going to do anything about Keith Carter. And we've got questions about him in the mailbag, so we'll talk about that. A little bit later I'm looking forward to doing shows with you from Mobile Alabama Glenn because you'll be down there we'll record some recaps I always love hearing about what's going on at the Senior Bowl not just because of the prospects but all the gossip that you get to hear from all the people that are down there insiders people that work in the league it's always great to get the pulse of what's happening down there and that's when you also start to get the first mock drafts of guys like Daniel Jeremiah I remember a few years ago before the 2020 draft is when he had Makai Becton at number four to the Giants, and that's when people realized that Becton was going to go high in the first round, whereas before that, some people like myself thought he might be able to be a steal in the second round. 
not the case. And Daniel Jeremiah was the one that first began letting people know that the league thought highly of Mekhi Becton. You get a lot of players like that. Trayvon Walker a couple of years ago, too. So we'll see who are the risers and the fallers and the guys who the league is higher on than a lot of the draft sites on the internet. By the way, Glenn, as far as the draft goes, I'm sure we have plenty of questions about it. So we'll dig into the mailbag now and start with a draft question from Damian Shaw. He asks, what is the furthest you think the Jets should trade down? Really depends on the offer, honestly, and it depends on how they evaluate the players that are going to be available. If they look at a bunch of these offensive linemen being in a similar tier, so for example, a lot of people right now, and this could change, assume that the three offensive linemen that could go in the top 10 are Joe Alt from Notre Dame, Olufashanu from Penn State, and J.C. Latham from Alabama, right? But there are a bunch of other really good offensive linemen that could be in the mix for the first round somewhere. Jordan Morgan from Arizona, Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma, Kingsley Sumiata from BYU, Talise Fuaga from Oregon State, Amarius Mims from Georgia. So there's a ton of these guys that are in that first round discussion, at least, that the Jets could think about if they were to trade down. Now, I wouldn't know how they would have them graded. Maybe there's one guy that they really want above all of them. Maybe they see those guys all in that same similar range, 15 to 25 or something like that. If that's the case, then go ahead and trade down if you think you can get value. And it also depends on what they get offered. If they get offered a really good deal to move down, then go ahead and move down quite a bit unless there's a player you absolutely feel like you have to have. So... It's a fluid situation right now. We also have to find out where teams are after these evaluations. Glenn, when you're down at the Senior Bowl and then the Combine and the workouts and the interviews and all of that. So it's a tough question to answer now, but I think it really depends on what gets offered and who's available when the Jets would be on the clock. Yeah, that's the key, right? It's going to be the drop-off from where the Jets are, who's on the board, you know, as you phrased it, what tier these guys are in, or, you know, if they're looking at their grades and and I think everyone kind of agrees universally that Alton Fashanu are kind of in a class of their own. But if they have a guy like uh, a, a Mims or a Morgan who they believe are worthy of a late late first round pick and another team, you know, you, you want to you want to add assets and drop down as little as possible. But if a team says, look, uh, if you're willing to move down to 20, we're going to give you a, a bunch of picks because we know that's a big drop. Um, and so if you feel like you can still address that same position, and get a player who's comparable to the guy you were going to get in that spot anyway. I think you. I think you move down as far as as far as the team is willing to, or uh, as far as you can justify, and still get a guy that you're targeting. Now, if you're if you're looking at a guy like Brock Bowers, who's the guy you know, I've made it clear he's he's kind of my number one at this point. If they've got him targeted, to me, you're gonna have a hard time getting them to move down because you're not getting another guy comparable to Brock Bowers in this draft. Um, he's to me head and shoulders above any other tight end in this class. So. Once you say no to Bowers, you're you're switching gears. But if you can still get a guy who you think can help, and you know, of course, everyone's going to have their preference of what they would like the Jets to do. But if you think you can get a guy like Fuaga, who you know, I like him a lot, but the fact that he is exclusively a right tackle worries me a little bit. There are some guys later on, like Patrick Paul, who could play on the left side, but probably not a first round talent. We'll see how that goes. But yeah, I. Ideally, I'd love to see him stay in the top 15 because I feel like that would still give him a chance at the guys I really like. But if it means moving on to 20 or 23 and they recoup, you know, maybe a future first or something like that, then it kind of becomes worth it. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. 
Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question comes in from Michael Christopher. He asks, is it really realistic that the Jets can tag and trade Huff? What team would really give up more than a third-round pick and pay him a big contract? Can the Jets seek a trade partner prior to free agency with him and his agent? I think they could have some preliminary discussions. Nothing could become official before the start of the new league year, but I'm sure they could have conversations. As far as who would give up something for Bryce Huff that's above a third-round pick, you just saw the Bears give up a second rounder to get Montez Sweat and then pay him $100 million. I know that there's this thought that you don't give up draft picks and still pay a player, but we've seen it plenty of times. Look at what was given up for Tyree Kill, for example. Look at what the Jets were offering for Debo Samuel. Look at what the Eagles gave up for A.J. Brown. Pass rushers, wide receivers, those types of players are at a premium, and so I don't think it's impossible that the Jets could get a second-round pick for Bryce Huff because he's an ascending pass rusher who is incredibly efficient and very valuable. So something to look at. If the Jets could get a good enough offer, I think they'd have to consider it because, Glenn, as much as Bryce Huff was an important part of this defense in 2023, ultimately they used first-round picks back-to-back years, Jermaine Johnson and Will McDonald, and they have a lot to fix on that offense. If they could get a second-round pick to use on an offensive lineman to help Aaron Rodgers right now, it's tough to turn that down. I'm not saying they'll be able to get that, but it's something to think about if it's offered. Yeah, it feels like we've been talking about it for a while now, and we went over it on our show last night, and people were asking in the live chat, you know, why are we so anxious to trade Bryce Huff? And it's like, nobody's anxious to trade Bryce Huff. It's kind of just remove the emotion, right? We lo- you, you love Bryce Huff as a player. You get excited watching what he can do on the field. You love having him. You'd love to have him around for another five, six years. But that's the fan in you. Like, as you know, Joe Douglas isn't looking at this like a fan. He's looking at... What do I have and what do I need? And what he has because of using those those first-round draft picks is an abundance of talent at edge. Now, granted, Huff is the most proven guy, but I think they have a lot of faith in McDonald, and they should. And you don't have enough picks to stock the, the other positions you need. So I think you have to at least entertain the, the notion of trading him. And I think if you look at his production, you look at his win rate, the things he's done, you know, this was finally, for years, we've kind of said Huff was a little bit of an enigma, right? Because... Even though his rep count was low, his win rate was so high, but the sacks never really followed. You know, three sacks, four sacks. This year that changed, and now he's proven he can get the job done. So I absolutely, look, you're talking about a premium position and a very very good player at a premium position. Well, you know, I think Huff is better against the run that he gets credit for. I don't think he's a dominant run defender, but he's not the liability that some people paint him as. So if you have a guy who can hold his own against the run and get to the quarterback double-digit times... And at his age, 
absolutely, I think a team will, you know, is, is going to be willing to to make a deal for him. Next question comes in from Say My Nameth. He asks, how would you feel about moving Joe Tipman and Elijah Vera Tucker permanently to the guard spots and drafting Jackson Powers Johnson from Oregon at center in a later round? The Jets could sign Makai Becton to a one-year deal and take a tackle with their first-round pick. Did I just fix the offensive line in one tweet, LOL? <laughs> I'll be honest, I like the idea. It just kind of depends on where Jackson Powers Johnson goes. People are assuming that he's going to go in the mid-rounds. He might, but you heard Brandon Thorne say that he believes Jackson Powers Johnson is one of the top 32 players in this draft. He thinks he's a first-round caliber talent. So we don't know exactly what's going to happen with him. He could go higher than we anticipate. And obviously, if he goes in the second round, the Jets don't have a second-round pick. But if the circumstances presented themselves where the Jets could get a tackle with their first-round pick and Jackson Powers Johnson in, say, the third round, yeah, that would be awesome. And if you have to move Joe Tipman to guard, that's fine. I'm okay with that. Joe Tipman looked pretty good when he played guard. So if you have Powers Johnson at center... And then you have Tipman and Elijah Vera Tucker at the guard spots. That works. Obviously, you'd have to figure out what to do with Lake and Tomlinson. Do you have Elijah Vera Tucker at tackle for one year and then move him to guard? It doesn't sound like the Jets want to do that, at least if you listen to what Robert Salas said. It seems like he wants to settle Elijah Vera Tucker in at one position, but that's one way you could go. You could also cut Lake and Tomlinson, and while it would be a $10 million dead cap hit, it would free up $8 million if you drafted Powers Johnson and you now have two guys at guard that could start in Elijah Vera Tucker and Joe Tipman, then you maybe go and get an insurance policy who's cheaper than the $8 million that you saved from cutting Lake and Tomlinson. But then again, Lake and Tomlinson is the only durable guy on that Jets offensive line. So as bad as he played, I don't know what you want to do there. But it's certainly an option. And I think when you have a guy like Jackson Powers Johnson, who really has the potential to be a long-term starter on the offensive line, if you can get him in the mid-rounds, you just take him and figure it out later. Yeah, that'd be great value to get him there. But just philosophically, I agree with it. I think you tweeted something similar to that a few days ago, Scott. And I, I kind of commented on it that I'd said the same exact thing after watching Cedric Van Pran for Georgia. I mean, I'm watching this guy play center and just just mow people over on runs up the middle and thinking to myself, God, you know, the Jets already have a center, but, you know, Tipman showed he can play some guard. And w either one, if, if you feel like Van Pran can get a workout at guard, whatever it may be, if if you want to go with, with AVT, Tipman, and then fill in the blank, highly talented young center and make those three work up front somehow, I'd be all for it. That gives you, you know, three young guys to – you know, the more I think about this, and it, it, it's really so frustrating, the ABT thing, because he's so talented. And if you could get that guy to stay on the field, it would be such a difference, um, or it would make such a difference for the offense. So I'd be all for an approach like that, though, if they want to take a Van Pran or a Powers Johnson, um, even Zach Frazier out of West Virginia, who I've, you know, been watching him for a couple years now, and I really like. So, yeah, you know, good young center, put him in the middle of ABT and Joe Tipman, I'd be all for it, or... Like I said, any combination of those three, play them where you want. You're going to have a dominant interior group. Next question comes in from Michael Palace. He asks, if the Jets used a non-exclusive tag, do you think a team will sign Huff to an offer sheet or is a normal tag and trade the only way to go? Yeah, I don't think anybody's going to sign Huff to an offer sheet because that would require two first-round picks in compensation. Nobody was willing to sign Lamar Jackson to an offer sheet for two first-round picks. Now, obviously, I think if they thought they actually had a chance to get Lamar Jackson, they might have done it. They realized that the Ravens were going to match anything. But I don't think any team is giving up two first-round picks for the right to pay Bryce Huff. Yeah, two ones I think is a little is 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 way too steep of a price, but... 
you know, nobody nobody took him last year when he had the second round tender, but of course he hadn't had that big ten sack year. I think if that were the case this year, we'd see it. But I I think the more likely scenario is tag and trade. So the Jets they you know they have to realize the value of the of the asset at this point. It's it's greater than it was last year. So you want to kind of try to hang on to him and have a little more control over what you can negotiate for him in a deal. Next question comes in from Peter LaFontaine. He says, who is the most likely and best case scenario starting left tackle for the Jets in 2024? Also, here's a mock draft I did. What do you guys think? He has the Jets getting Bowers at 10, Tyler Guyton at 72, Jalen Polk at 107, and Drake Nugent, the center from Michigan at 109. For those that don't know, Brock Bowers, the tight end from Georgia, Tyler Guyton, the tackle from Oklahoma, Jalen Polk, the wide receiver from Washington. So I think... The most realistic situation here at left tackle is that the Jets are either going to draft somebody in the first round or they're going to sign somebody who they're hoping can at least be a patchwork player at the spot. So whether that's Mekhi Becton, if they're somehow able to work something out with him and bring him back on a one-year deal or something reasonable, I don't see that happening, but if it does, maybe that. Maybe bringing back George Fant or somebody along those lines who at least has shown you he can start. He's not great or anything, but better than having somebody that hasn't proven they can play at all. And as far as the mock draft that you did, I like it. I don't know how realistic it is because we're way too far out to know where some of these guys are. I suspect that Tyler Guyton is probably going to go higher than 72, but who knows? And if he's available at 72, yeah, that would be great. You could plug him right in at right tackle immediately. I think the guys you drafted, especially the top three, could come in and contribute right away. So I like that mock draft. Again, I don't know how realistic it is because we're way too far out to know where a lot of these guys are going to slot in. Yeah, I, I like the mock. The only the only question I would have, and this is just this is more because of me, really. Um, I've watched Guyton a couple times, and honestly, that Oklahoma offense, I I feel for NFL GMs. I mean, that ball is out so quick. The number of plays like that you have to go through till you see him in like a true pass set holding up against the rusher, they're just few and far between. It's just quick hitter after quick hitter, and a lot of teams do this now. Um, you and you know you know Connie Carberg, Scott. I remember running into her at training camp a few years ago. And we were talking about this. We were talking about young tackles and just young offensive linemen in general and saying it's so hard. Like these offenses, you know, these sort of once Chip Kelly came along and just started, you know, just go, 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 go. And every play is out in a second, two seconds. You're not seeing these guys hold and sustain blocks. And for me, and I always say, you know, I try to watch. I mean, not try to watch. I do watch hundreds of prospects. And it's not as if I can watch every single game these guys play in. It, sometimes you might pick the wrong three or four games and not see the guy do what you're looking for him to do. But like I said, Guyton, I've only watched a couple. And the ones I've seen, I'm just sitting there and I'm thinking, when am I going to see this guy sustain some blocks? Um, few and far. So I'm not saying he isn't a good player. Obviously, the 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 the, the online, you know, the Daniel Jeremiah's and, and the those folks of the world seem to think highly of him. You see him ranked high on a lot of these boards. So in all honesty, I don't have a lot of thoughts on him right now. But Polk, I like a lot. Anyone on that Michigan offensive line, they're ridiculous. Um, I I want Zach Zinter, to be honest. If he falls because of that injury, like that guy's an absolute steal. And as I said, Bowers is my number one guy right now. Next question comes in from Dave Epstein. He asks, as painful as it would be, isn't tagging Huff and trading him for at least two picks the best course to follow? The Jets need picks and the D-line is loaded. If they can pull it off, sure. The question is going to be whether or not you can find a team that's willing to give you anything along those lines for a player they're then going to have to pay. 
This has always been my philosophy, Glenn, when it comes to this. People will say nobody's giving up X pick to pay X player. But then you see X player, and in this case I will throw out the name Montez Sweat, get traded for a second-round pick, and then the Bears go and pay him. We also heard the same thing with Jamal Adams. There's no way that any team's giving up more than a first and maybe a third, and look at what Joe Douglas got. So it just takes one team to really want him and make a big offer. I don't think it's likely that the Jets are going to get an enormous return for Bryce Huff, but I think at this point, what's probably best is for them to franchise tag him, see if there are teams that are willing to make offers that make sense, talk to Huff's agent, feel him out in terms of what it would cost to get him re-signed, and take it from there. The franchise tag is not the best solution, But you can't have Bryce Huff walk out of here for nothing. I know they would get a late third-round comp pick, but I feel like they could do better than that if they tag and trade him, or at least they could ask around and see. If they get the sense that they're not going to do better, they could always release the tag. If you remember, that happened with Josh Norman years ago. The tag got released when he was in Carolina because I guess they couldn't get the type of trade compensation that they were hoping for, and he ended up going to Washington, I believe. So... That's probably what I would be looking at right now. I would be talking to the agent, seeing what I could get done, but also preparing to use that franchise tag if I needed to, because that way it buys me time to figure out what to do. Yeah, I, th- I think what you said there is is the ideal situation. Like I said, you know, a few minutes ago is is maximizing the the, the control you have over what you get in a deal, and he's just he's he's that good of a player. Like he's the number one chip they have to help them acquire more picks, and he's you know, in a, in a sense that's fortunate, he plays a position where they have some depth behind him. So it's not as if he's the only guy you've got and you move on from him and then you've got nobody. Um, and let's not forget a lot of what happens up front. And this isn't to take anything away from the ends. A lot of what happens up front is the product of having Quinn and Williams there. So I feel like as long as you've got Quinn and Williams and then you've got JJ and you've got McDonald, who I think is going to be a stud, I think it makes it that much easier to trade Huff. And I think I, it, it's kind of at this point feels like it has to happen. That's going to wrap up part one of this holiday weekend mailbag. We will have part two for you tomorrow and part three on the holiday, Martin Luther King Day on Monday as well. Make sure that you check out everything that Glenn is doing over at JetNation.com and be sure to follow him at JNRadio underscore Glenn. Check out everything we're doing at PlayLikeAJet.com. Follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1 and be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and PlayLikeAJet.com. Come